What's up, fellas? Uh, after you guys listen to the podcast, be sure to head on over to our website, runthepower.com. We got a lot of, of really cool stuff for you guys. Uh, we want to continue adding stuff for you, and, and uh, we're really excited about everything we can do with the website uh, for football and continue learning, continue bringing you guys uh, premium content, continue to give you guys free stuff, uh, as much free content as we can, and, and we just love getting to talk football. So uh, if you guys can't get enough of it, uh, head over to our website, runthepower.com. Uh, this episode of the podcast is brought by the powerful Sideline Power. Sideline Power is an industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their program to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com, email at info at sidelinepower.com, or just give them a call, 800 496 4290. This episode is also brought to you by Powerlift. We don't just like Powerlift because of their powerfully awesome name. We also use Powerlift at Broken Arrow and Ankeny to design both of our facilities. Powerlift is a trusted program that has designed the University of Oklahoma, Iowa, Baylor University, and Modern Day High School's weight facility just here in the last few years, along with obviously many, many more. Let Powerlift take your unique needs and use them to design your state of the art facility. From concept to completion, choose Powerlift. Powerful ideas, powerful results, made in the USA. Go check out Powerlift at power-lift.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Jordan Johnson. Coach Johnson is the Director of Strength and Conditioning at Owasso High School in Owasso, Oklahoma. Prior to Owasso, Coach Johnson was the Head Strength and Conditioning Coach for Jinx High School in Jinx, Oklahoma, where he was a part of four state championships. He's one of the premier high school strength coaches in the country. Listen as we talk with Coach Johnson about his coaching career as a young college strength coach at Texas Tech, Arkansas, Ole Miss, UTEP, and Tulsa. Coach Johnson also imparts his knowledge of motivation, teaching progressions, team building, and what you can learn about your athletes outside of just gaining strength and athleticism. You can follow Coach Johnson on Twitter at JCJohnson40. Hope you guys enjoy. I've got to assume that's a little bit easier on high school strength guys, but I know in, in college that was all they seemed to be worried about. They did not want to oh, hurt yeah. the prize bulls in college. That was their that was their main job. Well, there you know there there wasn't most of the colleges I worked at. We never you know tested forty in the summer. We were just so they were just so worried of man guy popping a hamstring right before camp and and yeah they. Uh, you know, they, they get their stuff packed up pretty fast if the franchise guy got hurt. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was Brady uh, with, with Shark. Uh, you know, when his dad first you know, was the head coach at Pitt State, I think it was like one year they did like their, their summer liftoff, and that was like when they had – they'd get to put on knee wraps and elbow wraps, and they'd have oh, wow. suits at Pitt State, and they would do, do it like really big. And it was obviously whatever, 
six, 700 pounds. I don't remember what it was, but something ridiculous. And after that first year of, of coming to that, his dad was like, yeah, I don't think we're going to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, te- you know, testing week's a pretty nervous time for, especially this close to season, pretty nervous time for the old drink jokes. Especially when you got the, all the football coaches in there, you, you don't want anyone to get hurt. <laughs> Is that kind of why, Jordan, I mean, I know before you got into Jinx, they'd done the, the one rep squat max. Is that kind of why you switched it to, you know, more of a rep max? Hey, I, I, I've seen the kid squat. I've seen the kid lift. We, we pick a weight we feel like he can handle, and he's going to do it four, five, six times because it's going to be a little bit safer. Is that kind of why you went to that? Yeah, you know, uh, I've always kind of done that. You know, obviously with the, you know, power cling, you that's a one rep max deal. But, you know, if you get in trouble there, you can just, you know, dump it off you. Um, you know, I always like to take around 80% and 80 85% and have them rep tested. And if it's true 80% of theirs, then they'll get about five or six times and you can get, you know, fairly accurate max. It's just we never, you know, we never train – you know, with singles and that type of weight. So for them to, you know, one week out of the year, put that on their back when they're not used to it, that's, that's not something I'm real comfortable with. I can, I can kind of tell when they're repping out with something when they're about done and tell them to rack it. <laughs> well, how does that work with te- – I've always thought the testing weeks were always kind of – was kind of a weird deal for a strength coach, I would think, because, like, you know, you look at a summer uh, testing week or whatever, you know, you probably – depending on how you're running your summers, it, you probably won't have as big of a jumps over the summer as you did, you know, maybe in the spring. And then, and then, uh, right. know, as far as if you were a new strength coach, you know, now you've got all these coaches looking at you like, and they're like, Oh, you know, <laughs> our numbers didn't jump over the summer. What are we doing? You know, like, even right. though, you know, maybe you've been running more, you know, to get them ready for the season, but all these guys are looking at it and they're like, huh, the kids only went up five pounds average. I guess we weren't working very hard, you know, or whatever that is. No, no, you're exactly right. You know, you, you get kids in January, you have, you know, four or five months to get them bigger and faster and stronger. And, uh, you know, our numbers are always going to be better in spring testing. And then summer you got your seven on sevens, you got your old line camps, you got, uh, you know, you got to get them in shape before camp. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, if you, you go up in the summer, you're, you know, you're pretty fortunate, but most of the time it's, hopefully going to be the same or it might even go down a little bit. I've been kind of blessed for work to work for guys like coach Trimble and coach Blankenship. They, they kind of get it. They understand that, you know, summer's more about, you know, mental toughness and getting in shape and kind of everything as a whole. So they're not looking at me too weird when guys aren't doing quite as much as what they did in the spring. <laughs> That's always one of the things that, you know, I, I got from you is, you know, I, I, I'd kind of gone into the, the strength training business for a while I mean if I wouldn't have got the GA job at at Tulsa I was going to try to go get an intern job uh, at Nebraska and I kind of wanted to get into the strength stuff just because I I really enjoyed it so when when you came to Jenks you know and I was there obviously it was a pretty good fit for you and me because we we thought pretty similar but you know two things that I took away from you one you were super and you always been really good at building relationships you know with kids so I, I want you to talk about you know how you build relationships and then two you know, you were always trying to figure out something other than just the data and numbers within your strength right. program. So to me, it was, you know, like you said, some mental toughness. But I think if you could talk about those two things, because I think th- those are the two most important things in any football program. You know, if you can build relationships yeah. with kids and then you can find out some things 
you know, by, by creating that adversity and, and creating some of that toughness, uh, that environment, I think your squad only gets better because of that. Right. Yeah. I'll, uh, you know, I've, I've basically had kind of, uh, five keys to kind of what I've done, you know, throughout my career, you know, most of my career has been in college for about 11 years, but when I got to high school, I, you know, I, I figured I had to do something a little different, interact with their parents. And, and, and so I kind of came up with five keys to create the type of culture that I wanted in the weight room. And, you know, the first key was, you know, you got to show love to these kids and athletes and you got to let them know that you care about them. Um, you know, we, I think it was your second, our second year at Jinx, you know, we had a kid commit suicide mm -hmm. and, you know, that's, and that's almost the norm now, you know, kids are taking their own lives. Kids are going through a lot of stuff. And, you know, to me, it's always been, if I'm going to create a relationship, I got to let the kids know that I care for them and they know that I love them. They know that when I'm coaching them and coaching them hard, they, they know that it's because I love them and care about them. And, you know, I really focused on that first and tried to create that relationship. And, you know, from there, uh, you know, the second key is, is all about, you know, I've always kind of had the, the, the team acronym that together everyone achieves more and it's, it's all about the team. And I mean, you know, better and, and coach Harper knows this as well. You know, you can have, you know, great individual athletes, but if you're not tightly knit as a team, it, it's not going to matter. So, you know, you, while you can, you know, definitely test to this. I mean, you know, I'd get into Stephen Parker's butt, you know, I'd get into Q's butt and, it, it, you know, those D1 guys, I would treat them the same as, you know, the scout team JV guy because no one's above, you know, the the team. And I, I try to make them know that, you know, up front. And then I, you know, key number three is, you know, it's all about discipline and accountability. And, you yep. know, as a strength coach in college, um, I've never been either in college or in high school, I've never been a numbers guy. You know, I want guys to improve in the weight room. I want guys to, you know, Razor max, all that stuff's great, but you know, I'll sacrifice any day of the week, any performance training day for discipline and accountability. You know, we've scrapped workouts and gone outside for discipline and accountability. Just because just because if if, if we're not disciplined and accountable, then then the numbers don't matter. You know, we'll jump off sides. We'll not you know, we're not finishing through the line, we'll not, you know, go the extra inch out on the football field. So you know, as a strength coach, you don't like to, you know, you plan and program for, you know, six months ahead of time. So when you have to do that, it upsets you. But, you know, I, I think in the long run, it, you know, it pays off. Um, and then, you know, I, you know, key number four for me has always been constant competition. You know, we have some form of competition every day in the weight room, you know, in the off season when you're not competing in seven on seven or, you know, out on the football field, you know, we, you know, you can't just go in there and lift weights. You kind of, you always have to have that competitive edge. And so we try to do something every day for competition. We have, you know, we have teams and, you know, point system that you'll get minuses for and pluses for if, when you win competitions. And, and uh, you know, we try to do that year round. And, you know, basically the, the last thing is performance enhancement. And, you know, I honestly believe if you meet, you know, one through four, then performance enhancement takes care of itself. You know, if you, if you have it, the kids know that you care about them, you know, they understand the team concept, they're competing every day, they're disciplined and accountable, then, you know, the numbers take care of themselves. And I don't have to do, you know, much there. I mean, doesn't matter what I program, even though I, you know, I take pride in doing that. But, 
thousand ways to spin the cat. If they have one through four, then numbers are going to be all right in the long run. <laughs> I can still remember a couple of those days when you set up the <laughs> <laughs> the penalty. The penalty system is still my favorite one to this date. When you had, well, you know, Walls, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, setting up this this penalty system. So if one guy messes up, you know, it'll just be, it was kind of like an increasing tier of penalties. So I think it was like the second day of spring workouts <laughs> and one, I don't know, one guy, you know, messed up on the ab warm up, and then you're like, all right, go change your shoes. And we went out <laughs> Harper, we went outside and all we did was run the stadium for like an hour and a half. <laughs> that was it. We didn't lift our weight. As always, just run the stadium and wait for every guy to finish it. All right, hey, you don't want to go hard? All right, cool. We got another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but that was one of those where Coach Tremble might have been looking at me weird a little bit. And, <laughs> and, you know, what are, what are you doing? <laughs> it worked. It did work. We didn't have to do abs over again. I know that. <laughs> Well, that's what uh, the famous one, you know, Brady always talks about is, is, you know, they don't do it right. And what is it, Brady? You go back into the weight room, start, start it all over? Yeah, he, he'd, do, he'd, he'd send him back in the locker room. He'd start, he'd just, okay, we're going to start the whole thing over. He'd go back into the locker room, re-explain the workout. Here's how we're going to do it. And all right, back on the squat rack or whatever. I mean, it was, <laughs> you guys don't want to start it off actually, right? We'll go do it again. I actually got that from uh... – Coach Leagues at Texas Tech, we were about an hour and 45 minutes into practice, and he, he wasn't liking what he saw, and he told the, the strength coach, uh, Benny Wiley, that start warm-ups over. Uh, <laughs> oh, brutal. <laughs> and so basically two hours was, was out the window, and we were starting over, and it was good stuff. <laughs> oh, those are some classic ones. <clears throat> So you, I say that's the other thing, you, you know, you got your start off, off some really, really good strength coaches, you know, some guys, I mean, you were what, Texas Tech, you were at, uh, you were at mm -hmm. Arkansas for a while, and then you were also doing some of the other sports. So I think, you know, some of your, your Tim Floyd stories from working, you know, basketball are honestly some of my favorite <laughs> ones, but, but kind of, kind of walk us through, you know, your, your career as, as a strength guy, because honestly, any strength guy that I know has had to, you know, it's been a grind fest. You know, you're going to start off working ridiculous hours, doing ridiculous jobs, and hopefully you're lucky enough to make it. And you were one of those guys that did it. Well, you know, you know, first of all, I want to say the college, being a college strength coach is, you know, it's almost unfair because you're evaluated by administration that have no idea if you're doing a good job or not. Yeah. And so – Great strength coaches get fired all the time, um, and, and some personal friends of mine in college have lost their jobs, you know, based on a football record. Uh, and in reality, they're, they're working a lot of sports. Um, but no, I, I I was pretty lucky, you know. I, I kind of power lifted in college at Texas Tech, and you know, I thought I was pretty strong. And and uh, you know, one of my one of the great life lessons that I had is I went kind of just. I worked with the Olympic side of sports at Texas Tech in 2003, and and in 2004, I uh, kind of strolled into the football weight room. You know, Benny Wiley, all 230 pounds of him, was uh, staring at me, and I said, "Listen, I want to, I want to be an intern here, and you know, I have this certification and this certification, and and you know, I'm a powerlifter, and I do this, this, and this." And Benny just looked at me and said, "Hey, that doesn't mean jack." 
That doesn't mean you can coach an athlete. That doesn't mean you can do anything. <laughs> and I kind of looked back at him and I kind of changed my tune really fast. And I said, well, I just want to learn from you and anything I can do, just let me know. And he's like, all right, well, here's what you can do. Before I'll let you be an intern, I want you to go through the whole summer with our football program. You're going to coach the first group, and then the next two groups you're going to run and lift with. And if you make it through the summer, then I'll let you be an intern. How about that? And, you know, as a, as a, as a power lifter, I hadn't ran in probably six years. So I left that meeting and instantly went over to, like, the rec center and started getting on the treadmill and getting after it. Um, didn't help much. First week, it was probably the hardest summer I've ever been through. Um, but, you know, once I made it past that summer, the next two years, you know, with Benny, you know, he's he's probably the – I would say Benny is probably my mentor. The things I've learned from him, I still do today. You know, I, uh, I've i always tried to run with at least one group. Um you know, throughout college and, you know, at Jinx and even at Owasso this year, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, I'm hurting pretty bad, but I'm it's probably my last year doing it. So As I say, <laughs> you got to be getting close to retiring the running shoes, dude. It, the, the, the sharks are, are definitely close to retirement. I can promise <laughs> you that. <laughs> but no, I, I worked, uh, you know, Benny was, was the man, you know, I learned a lot from him. And then I did a GA at Arkansas um, with, uh, Don Decker and he was you know extremely smart guy and I learned a lot from him uh, you know unfortunately coach Nutt got fired and I was only at Arkansas for about a year so the whole staff went to Old Miss um, so I continued my GA there at Old Miss and was in charge of receivers there and uh, um, really was trying to get that first assistant full-time job and I was offered a, that at UTEP out in El Paso and you know, didn't really know what to expect. You know, Coach uh, Kirk Davis, you know, big Olympic guy. And I'll never forget walking in, you know, UTEP's got some pretty good facilities. The Sun Bowl is really nice. And never, you know, never forget walking in that weight room. He's an Olympic guy. And every weight in there is in kilos. Every plate, every dumbbell. <laughs> and the first thing in my mind is, like, uh, like I can't even – I can't do math. So how am I going to convert all this stuff? And so that was that was kind of the place where, you know, I'd, I'd learned a lot from Benny. I learned a lot from Coach Decker, and it was all football. But, you know, my first week at, at UTEP, you know, my, my boss walks in and is like, all right, you're going to be in charge of softball, soccer. Um, you're going to help with all the football groups. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you're going to be in charge of men's and women's basketball as well. Hmm. And I was like, holy smokes, that's that's a lot. And <laughs> all right. that first year was <laughs> that first year was pretty tough. And then uh, my second year, um, Coach uh, – Tim Floyd comes in as a new basketball coach, and he's he's you know he had took taken uh, Iowa State to the Sweet 16 and New Orleans to the Sweet 16 and USC and been two uh, NBA head coaches with the Bulls and I think the Hornets and and so he was a guy that really demanded respect and uh, you know he was really old school. So I, when he got hired, my boss was like, "All right, well I'm just going to make you just." men's and women's basketball for coach Boyd's over there and and, and coach Boyd, he was he was the man he was really old school and didn't know much about the weights but uh he uh, he was one of my biggest biggest fans and and he did a lot for me at UTEP and that's around the time I kind of met my wife she was an assistant soccer coach there and we got married and um actually got married in Broken Arrow that's where mom lives and I just went by TU I I'd known Rourke 
Cutchlow through one of my, uh, Brad Cornelson, a guy I grew up with and just went and talked to Rourke and hung out with him. And about a month later, he offered me a job at TU. And, and so I took that job and moved out to Tulsa. I was only at Tulsa for about seven months, you know, with Coach Blankenship and Rourke and Rourke went to uh, Memphis and kind of at that point, my wife was like, you know, five colleges in eight or nine years, you know, we're, we're done moving around. <laughs> so I kind of, I kind of said, you know, yes, ma'am. And that's when I was able to get an interview with coach Trimble. <laughs> the rest is kind of history. Well, I know we were definitely glad to, to get you there at Jenks, but I remember a couple of your, your Tim Floyd stories. I mean, cause you know, Floyd would recruit some guys that were probably borderline <laughs> questionable guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then for them, for them to, to come to, to UTEP, you know, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere there in, in El Paso. And, and right. it was kind of on you to have to, you know, almost enforce some of the, the discipline that he was going to do. I mean, he did a good job, too. But I remember you right. telling me some stories about some junior college kids that would come in. You'd have to kind of oh. break them like ponies. And then. <laughs> well, you know, I definitely don't miss those years at all. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, first of all. No knock on basketball. I, I worked basketball for a lot of years, but they, they're one of those groups that they're not huge fans of the weight room. And that's, you know, and so that's, that's as a basketball strength coach, you have to really educate them on why it's important. And then you throw into the fact that they've been in JUCO and bounced around and a couple of times, you know, we'd have a workout set for 7 a.m. and guys would be rolling in at 8.30. What's up? I'm like, what, what, what are you serious? You're an hour and a half late. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I, you know, the funny thing is, I could, you know, these guys, you know, I'm a short guy. I'm like five eight, and these guys are all over six five. You know, I can yell at them, getting on them, and you know, finally, I just have to go get Coach Floyd, and Coach Floyd walked down here, and who was late? I was like, well, him. All right, you're you're done. Get out of here. And you just get rid of that. <laughs> So that that kind of once he did that that first day, you know, guys bought into the weight room a little faster after that. <laughs> I love I that story. I love the story too about the time the guy uh, the guy used his uh, his restroom or whatever. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, that was Keith Wilkerson. He was he played for Coach Boyd at USC. And he was an assistant there. And, and there was a one, there was a world famous uh, burrito place right across the street from the, the Don Haskins Center. That's where all the basketball facilities were. And so we were up there, and he's like, "Hey, I got to go to the bathroom real fast." And I said, "Well," I was like, "Where are you going?" He's like, "I'm just going to use Coach Floyd's bathroom." I was like, "You, <laughs> you sure about that?" And he's like, "Yeah." And so he's you know it's eight o'clock at night, no one's up there, so I'm sitting outside of Coach Floyd's office. And so Keith goes in there. <laughs> And uh, here comes Coach Floyd walking down the hall. I said, uh, uh, hey, Coach Floyd, what are you doing? He's like, what are you doing up here? And I was like, oh, you know, just waiting for Keith. He's in my bathroom again, isn't he? And I was like, uh, yes, sir. He's like, all right, wait right here. And so Coach Floyd, you know, he's in his, you know, almost 60 years old, hiding behind the door, and Keith comes running out, and Coach Floyd just screams at him. He falls on the ground. I mean, it was pretty funny. I mean, it. Coach Floyd's pretty scary too, and so all seven foot of Keith fell on the ground pretty fast. But it's pretty good. Well, I was gonna say I, I played in El Paso, and I, it's a little off subject, but the the cra- you know <laughs> I played against UTEP. But the craziest part to me was there's that one highway. I don't know if it's a highway or a big road that goes right outside the, the football stadium, 
And it's like yeah. what, um, you know, splits Mexico and in, in the U S well, we're going down that road, like at, uh, uh, at night sometime. And it, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. It's like everything on the U S side, all lit up. Everything's nice, nice buildings. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess a lot of, of, uh, you know, pretty safe, I think ish in El Paso from what I heard just cause there are so many, uh, you know, different law enforcement there right on the border. And then you look yeah. over, you know, in, in the Mexico side and it's dirt, you know, there's no, there's no concrete, you know, and there's no pavement, it's dirt. And at night it's completely dark. I mean, there's no lights. There's no, it, it was just, it was, the, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. I think in my life, and it's just <laughs> wild it just to see that it's just so different, just a few yards over. Well, and that was definitely a, a shock to my system. We had played at uh, UTEP um, when I was at Texas Tech. And the one thing I remembered is, you know, I've been in, you know, LSU Stadium in Florida and some of these big stadiums. When they get that place, you know, packed and it's echoing off the rocks, it's it's pretty pretty cool game environment. Um, and, and so when I got down to El Paso, you know, it was during the day. And so I'm driving in the I-10 right there. You're talking about separates the stadium. And, and no joke, it it is – absolutely a, a street and then mexico third world country uh i mean it's it, it's hard to describe just how you're standing on the stadium and you're looking out into a third world country and it's shacks and dirt roads as far as the eye can see you know war is right there um i can my in fact my first week at, at utep i'm in the sun bowl you know running the soccer girls and border patrol is walking down the steps tells us to stop and I'm like, well, what's going on? And they said, just stand against, sir, just stand against the wall. And I, you know, I thought I was in trouble at first. And then they go over to the manhole, pop it open, and they bring a family up out of the manhole that was, you know, trying to. <laughs> oh my gosh! And, 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 and so, you know, I'm freaking out. And, and the soccer girl's like, you know, that happens all the time. That's no big deal. I'm like, where, where am I? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> But, that was but no, you're right. It's uh, you know, if I'm standing on the stadium, the highest point in the stadium, and throw a rock, I can hit Juarez. It's it's pretty nuts. Oh, that, that's the craziest part to me was like, you know, I'd always thought of Mexico as like, you know, maybe not as nice as America, but like, you know, it, it's North America. There's Canada, Mexico, America. You know, so I yeah. assumed it would be, you know, maybe not as nice of places, but uh, you know, to have dirt roads and no lights at night, and I mean, just for it to look so incredibly different was just. It was, it was unbelievable. And then, you know, you go yeah. into the stadium and they always tell, I don't know if it's true or lie, but I always assume they're trying to psych you out. There's like holes in parts <laughs> of the stadium. And they're like, oh, that's <laughs> holes from, from uh, the cartels across the road. And it was, uh, it was its own little thing over there. It was a different place for sure. No, it's, it's definitely probably the most unique place I've worked. And they, you know, by the stats, they say that El Paso is one of the safest cities in the country. But that really doesn't help you put you at ease when you're <laughs> that close to war. Yeah, murder capital of the Western Hemisphere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, the, absolutely. That was the one place where we traveled. You know, when we played them down there when we were at Tulsa, Jordan. That that was the one place that, as the group of GAs, we didn't go out. We were kind of told you guys, you guys, you guys need to stay in tonight. It worked out okay because I was sick anyway. So I'm like, all right, I'm staying. So. <laughs> See, that's when dad, I think dad was a GA, but it must have been, you know, been like that was one of the, yeah. And, and, uh, well, you and, know, and they still wasn't, it wasn't as bad, I guess, back then, because their Tulsa GAs, I guess, went over to Mexico uh, back in, in 91. But 
Um, <laughs> I guess it hasn't, it's not as nice anymore. Well, and that, you know, all the cartel stuff really hurts uh, UTEP because that was a huge recruiting selling point back in the day for, hey, go across the border and, you know, 21 or not, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Doesn't Yeah. matter. laughs> a few cervezas. <laughs> yeah. So what, tell me this now, okay, and you always kind of talked about it. It's like, you know, you make the leap back to high school from college and honestly, I mean, you know, it's a, it was a pretty easy decision probably for you, I think, because, you know, yeah. a program like Jenks, you know, you're going to have uh, all the resources kind of at your disposal that you needed. But you always kind of talk about, you know, hey, it's the stigma. Once I kind of go to high school, it's kind of like I'm tossing away the, the college career. Does that still kind of go on? You know, once you go to high school, it's, it's really, really hard to go back. Or you think it's kind of becoming a little bit more mainstream because so many high schools are higher in strength, guys. Well, you know, kind of when I did it, you know, uh, when I when I was hired at Jinx, it was just it was Jinx, uh, Broken Arrow, and Union were pretty much the only schools in Tulsa area that had a strength coach. And, and you know, now there's about ten or eleven just in the Tulsa area that have, that have strength coaches. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they have a they have a national high school strength and conditioning association now. Um, I'm actually the state director of, of Oklahoma. And so now back then, you know, I kind of told my wife, uh, I was like, look, you know, when I make this jump, it's, there's no going back. Um, now that it's starting to be the norm, and, and I'll be honest with you, I think, you know, just like in high school f- football, you know, th- there's, there's a lot of great coaches at the high school strength level. Um, no and so you're seeing, you're seeing more and more guys go from high school strength conditioning to college, maybe not as a head guy. Um, I don't think universities are, you know, quite ready to make that jump. I'm like, yeah, we hired, a, you know, our new head strength coaches from this high school. That probably wouldn't go over well in the PR department. But, you know, more guys are going on to be assistants in college from the high school level. And, you know, it's 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 a lot harder. I mean, we, we would get guys in college that, you know, would come in and, you know, you talk probably talking about 80, 90 percent of those guys had some strength and conditioning experience when they got to college. You know, at the high school level, it's you're it's ground zero. You're you're teaching them everything, and so you, you know, we, you have to be pretty sound and pretty organized. You can't have enough. You know, we always joke about this all the time. You know, my first, you know, meeting with Trimble, I was like, all right, well, want to have group one, two, and three in the summer. And Trimble's like, wait, 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 group one, two, and three. This this isn't college. You know, we're gonna have all hundred and forty kids <laughs> wait at one time. <laughs> I'm like, oh. well, you just. You just have 20 racks. That's like seven guys per rack. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's that's what we got to do. So that, that that took some getting used to. Um, but no, it's uh, you know, the high school strength profession is definitely blowing up. You're you're seeing some high schools. I mean, Coach Harper, you guys' facility at BA, I would rival that against most colleges in Division One. I. I mean, right. The 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 buy-in and commitment to strength conditioning in high school is, is off the charts now. Well, I want to say what you know, one of the a few of the smaller schools. It's like you know, one of their big things is is fill up the weight room and, and get someone in there that that is just in charge of it because it is so important. And then right. you look at like you know what what Bigsby did when Coach Montgomery got over there, and I don't know if they had a, yeah. a time guy there, but they they made it a big deal, and it you know it, it made their program obviously blow up you know with what they've done in the past uh, several years. What kind of my my question is, you know, I was talking to my old strength coach in college, and and he kind of acted like, 
uh, and I don't know when they made this change, but he kind of acted like when you were a GA or when you were an assistant with a strength you know, program, uh, you know, several years ago, you were also kind of a football coach. I mean, you could do some things out on the football field, you know, so he was all excited right. about it and you could, you could help out. I don't know, you know, what necessarily you could do, but you could actually do some things out with football. You know, he kind of went down yeah. that path and then they ended up switching it up. Now you could only be in the street, you know, you could only be in the weight room. You could run uh, warm-ups, and that's about it. You know, and now he's – since yeah. they've changed, now he's a linebacker's coach. But uh, were you were you in it at that point where you kind of could be on the field? And then were you in it, you know, when the, when the switch happened? Uh, yes, I was actually, you know, a part of both. Um, you know, my early years at, at Texas Tech, I mean, I personally didn't do the football side of it, but you could hire GAs, you know, to that were – you know, have knowledge in both. You could have ex- an extra hand out on the football field. And then I think it was when I, you know, got to Old Miss around 2008, 2010. I can't remember exactly when it was, but I think, you know, Alabama kind of screwed that up for everyone because they had like 10 <laughs> strength GAs. And uh, I think that kind of changed. You know, they, you know, the NCAA figured out, hey, well, these guys really aren't strength coaches and they're really not football coaches. Or they're actual football coaches are hiring. So, Yep. Um think think that that's why they kind of made that change, the Alabama rule, maybe. <laughs> yeah, they they were all out there like, you know, running seven on sevens. So they could do their basically <laughs> in install in the in the summertime and they'd have all their <laughs> offensive stuff ready to roll. And it's like, you know, he said they had a payroll of, of ten dudes. Jordan, <laughs> who are who are some of the, the biggest freaks, you know, that, that you've worked with, you know, being in the SEC, you you've told me about a, a good number of them. Who would be some guys that kind of stand out, guys that you saw, and, and maybe some of the, the unbelievable feats that they do? Because I always think that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, we have some guys at Texas Tech. Um, you know, Michael Trabtree was unbelievably athletic, um, could do some amazing things on the field. Wasn't a big fan of weight room. Um, <laughs> of course <laughs> not. Once a, no. Typical wide receiver, right? And so once once I got to the SEC, you know, that kind of blew my mind. You know, uh, Darren McFadden was, was just a, an absolute freak. You know, we would do, you know, we call it three hop, you know, three hops and stick the landing. And McFadden's going 15, 16 yards and three hops. And wow. it, it's like he has, a, he has a rocket boost attached to And just the most unbelievable athlete I've ever seen was McFadden at Arkansas. Um, he could do things. You know, one of my one of my favorite stories is we're playing South Carolina, and uh, you know, we had Felix Jones and Peyton Hillis and McFadden. We had a you know every guy had a hundred yards that game, and for whatever reason, South Carolina they scored, cut it to within ten, and they're kicking the ball off, and McFadden's nowhere to be found, and so they send me up to the locker room to find McFadden. Well, he's using the bathroom. He thought you know the game was in hand. He could go use the bathroom. He's coming down the ramp. I'm like, hey. Darren, we're, we're about to go on offense. And so then he starts sprinting out. Well, the kickoff guy just got tackled. Well, Darren comes from the locker room onto the field. They hand the ball off to him. And he takes it 80 yards, uh, splits the defender. <laughs> and he was in the bathroom five seconds ago. Um, you know, he, he could do some freakish things. We had, uh, you know, at Ole Miss, um, we had, you know, obviously some strong dudes. Uh, you know, Dexter McCluster, he was – you know, one of the guys that uh, he was 175 pounds, you know, he could 
you know, clean 330 um, at 170. He was a freak. <laughs> um, didn't have a lot of freaks at UTEP that I remember. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, you know, one of, one of the guys, and, and you know this guy, Brady, is uh, Darwin Thompson Jinx. I mean, yep. you know, he was just, uh, I think, the uh, 18, The I think it was, I can't remember what magazine it was, <clears throat> um, freak, freakish college athletes. Um, you know, Darwin was 190 pounds, if that, at Jinx, cleaning 345, and in you know front he was front squatting 405 at jinx and i think his video is going around viral he's doing 500 at utah state now and front squat making it look easy and he was you know he's definitely one of those freaks that, that come to mind yeah, we had a pretty good amazing video <clears throat> we had a pretty good yeah. number of like like the year i was co- coaching running backs at jinx you know and you were there i mean we had you know trayvon Darwin was just a sophomore. Yeah. Uh, McDavid, uh, you know, was like a forty-two inch vertical guy. I mean, right. I'm, I'm yeah. just sitting. I'm just sitting around the running back room. I'm like, <laughs> I have the easiest high school job in America. <laughs> this is well, just make sure yeah. these guys show up and we're going to be okay. <laughs> Which was probably the hardest part of my job. Well, and that's when the discipline accountability comes in because you know yep. I got people coming to Jinx like, hey man, what are you doing for those guys? And I was like, uh, we get them the ball. There's nothing that I do in the way, <laughs> you know, those guys, those guys make me look way better than I ever was. I mean, for sure. The thing I that I always think is ahead, so tough in, in high school is, uh, at least in Oklahoma high school, is the spring seems like it's six months long. I mean, at least in college, oh, yeah. it's like you do it for a few months, then you have spring ball, then you go back to, to training where it's like high school in Oklahoma, your spring ball January till – you know, um, May, you know, so you get all these months. Right. What are some things that you, that you try to do with that to, to try not to let it get stale or try to be like, you know, five months in a row is, is tough on, on anyone. You know, even, even the best guy that wants to work out all the time, it, it, you know, five months in a row of that when you're there to play football can get strenuous a little bit or, or whatever. You, you know, I don't want to say boring, but it can get a little bit redundant. So knowing that right. what are some things that you go into that trying to do to, to break that stuff up or keep it interesting or, or whatever? Well, you know, uh, coach, I, when we get our team back from Christmas break, I really like to use the first, maybe even seven weeks, you know, we're getting our freshmen, um, the, you know, that doesn't really, they don't really know how, how the varsity pace goes. You know, I would use the first six to seven weeks with really an entire team. We, kind of do a reorientation of all the exercise work on technique that's you know the first six seven weeks back from uh christmas vacation we we do our penalties where the consequences are actual running and actual scrapping the workouts to go outside and do stuff like that um so it's a lot of technique stuff a lot of discipline accountability stuff and then you know the last eight weeks before we get to spring ball that's that's kind of when we have captains that pick teams and that's when the penalties transition from discipline and running to those minuses are going to affect the teams that you've been picked on. And that's when we really used all the competition stuff that last eight weeks. And so it's kind of a mix of, you know, kind of relearning stuff and, and learning maybe some new exercise the first seven weeks. And then the last eight weeks we're really competing a lot. So kind of a mix of those different things to kind of keep them engaged. Um, <clears throat> I know when, when Walls was there, we would do a lot of uh, lessons 
um, on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and, you know, we kind of, <clears throat> a lot of times we'll pick a book that, uh, you know, I, I know one year we did Extreme Ownership, but we'll do um, Irvin Meyer's book and, uh, you know, really go over that with the team. And, and so there, there's a lot of things that we incorporate to kind of, you know, keep them engaged. And that's the great thing about social media. As much as I hate it, um, it's one good way to keep them engaged, put videos up and all that stuff because they, you know, they like that and, mm-hmm. you know, they get excited about that. And, you know, we try to utilize all that stuff to keep, you know, it's like you said, that's, that's a long period of time to keep them going. But, you know, we try to do everything we can to keep them engaged throughout the three or four months. That was all, another one of the things I, I loved about you, Jordan, too, was, you know, the, the humor you would kind of bring to, to the whole team. You know, you'd be able to, to mess around with the staff and, and mess around with guys. You always had, you always had, you know, either good nicknames for guys or – you knew like somebody's doppelganger, you know, what a guy looked like. <laughs> so you could always kind of, yeah. you know, rib, rib a guy about that. So I always thought, you know, that, that, that would loosen things up a little bit too. It wasn't always, you know, serious. You, you could have, you know, kind of both sides of that too. I think that was one of, one of your good gifts, you know, with the relationships. The other thing that, you know, going back to your, your competition, I always loved how you picked competitions that weren't like, you know, automatically like, oh, the fastest guy is going to win or, you know, oh, the, the guy that right. can jump, jump the highest or lift the most weight would win. You, you do, you know, the, the rope jumps and having to be able to get under. So you, you can make a, a mistake where, you know, it could be a fourth string kid and all of a sudden, you know, he's a, he's a freshman. All of a sudden he's beaten, you know, somebody like a Stephen Parker or something like right. that as an, as an example. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the grip strengths or the pull-ups, I mean, you, you could always come up with some of the, the fun stuff and then, you know, maybe maybe check some of those dudes' egos because you could kind of make fun of them a little bit when they got beat by somebody like that, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, we like doing, you know, you have team captains and, you know, there's times where, you know, you have some kids on that team that will, you know, they get lost in the shuffle. You know, guys that maybe aren't the most athletic or can't do it on the football field. Well, I like to do grab team captains and like, hey, you have to pick a freshman today. Yep. Or, or, you know, that, that freshman was picked last week. You're going to have to pick. So someone's going to compete at some time, whether they like it or not. And it might be that, that guy that, that's never going to step step on the field in the actual game. But, I mean, you remember the, the Van Shanks and Chrisops of the world that, you know, would, would, would step in and beat one of those franchise guys. And, <laughs> you, know, the weight, you know, the weight room's erupting. You know, they're never going to live that down. Uh, but, you know, to that kid that, that was able to – beat a division one guy in a rope jump or something like that, you know, they'll remember that forever. So it was, it was pretty special for me to see that. <laughs> I always thought that was hilarious. And then when you, when you, especially when you post that on social media, then it was really on. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. They, they don't like it. And I, I think that was one <laughs> great thing, you know, when you were at Jinx, you know, we had that, that one, two punch of, uh, you know, never letting a guy down. Now I got a better waffle with, with Bobby uh, Clink, so it's good stuff. <laughs> that was still – I still, uh, to this day, my favorite day in the weight room ever were the, were the days when – and Bobby would just sit there because I, I would always mark the guys as weights, and I had a nickname for, like, every guy. And he'd just be sitting there crack. He'd just be sitting there cracking up the whole time. He's like, "How can you get away with calling some of these guys?" Like, I don't know, man. You you build that relationship, and it's fun, and then the kids like it. You know, I mean, it's yeah. to me, it's all just part of it. You know, some people, I guess you can do it, and some people, you know, maybe you can't. But 
I don't know. But, I just thought that, you know that was the, the funnest part to me. It was just, you know, sitting there every day with all the names. And then I liked it too, because everyone's like, how do you know everybody's name? Cause I do that, you know, and everybody knew, <laughs> well, Hey, coach walls knows who I am, you know? You're absolutely right. And I, I still think the best coaches are the guys like you're talking about that, that can connect with those kids. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, an all American, you know, it could be the guy that, you know, like you said, you, you know, walks in, you have a nickname for him, you know, he looks like this guy. Well, you're still showing that kid some attention and it's attention he's not getting, you know, on a team with 140 guys. And, and so, you know, I think that's, you know, that's, that's why I got into the high school level. It's just about, you know, working with, with not only the, the big time guys, but the young guys that, you know, are, are going through a rough time and, and, you know, may not get to experience, you know, what the big guys do, but, you know, they're, they're still part of the team and, you know, they're still loved by the coaches. That's right. You'd always have the big guys that come in and you'd have the, the Ben Stiller movie, get on the scale, get off the scale. <laughs> get off the scale. Yeah. I think that was the uh, sweet tea. Uh, it kind of sent me over the edge. We had our Wednesday weigh-in every week and he was supposed to be down 10 pounds and he'd already, you know, he'd always be up 15 and I, you know, I'd be in, a, I'd be in a good mood. The bi- all the big guys doing what they're supposed to do, and then Sweet T steps on. All right, get on the skip. Get off. Get off. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was us with uh with Big Rowdy there, Harper. Oh, That's yeah. what I heard. Hey, he did lose whatever uh, by Friday. He was down eight, and then Monday up fifteen. Well, then and then the best part of it would be. The best part would be then Dave, Dave, and I'd always ask Dave, I'm like, all right, Dave, give me the recap of everything that Rowdy ate this weekend. <laughs> He'd be like, oh, man, he, he ate 14 pizzas. He drank 10, 24 gallons of sweet tea. <laughs> to me, it just, it just set him oh, off, and yeah. it just made me, made me die laughing. But, again, that's, that's the fun stuff that those guys remember, and it was always fun, you know, and then you'd know when those guys were going to miss because they're always the last guys to weigh in, you know. Hey, where's T at? Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, and that was that was one of the big advantages of working in college is you you saw what they ate. You know they they didn't eat outside of you know the training table in college. So, you know one of my you know Benny would always if you had a weight loss guy they they grab their plate. And Benny would take a trash can over there and with a knife, split his plate in half, and throw <laughs> the half of it trash can. <laughs> that's the, the that's biggest, awesome. I mean. You would have thought that he just stepped on the kid on the player's puppy or something. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just total devastation. <laughs> For those that got that are listening out there, Benny Wiley is the new uh, strength coach at at OU. Have you had a chance to go down and and kind of meet with him? Is is there some things he's doing differently down there? You know, knowing that he's yeah. playing kind of that high tempo game with you know Lincoln Riley. Well, you know, the, the the crazy, you know, me and my wife uh, went down there the week he got hired. I just wanted to, him to see our two kids, and we, we kind of hang out for, for a day, and he kind of showed us around. Uh, the the Jinx connection, you know, uh, is definitely good there at, at OU with some of the guys that they had. But, you know, Benny Benny's, uh, you know, the, the offense that Lincoln's running, you know, the same type of training he did at Texas. Tech, you know, Lincoln was a GA yep. at Texas Tech when, when Benny was there. And, and so it's not a whole lot of different stuff that Benny's doing in the weight room. Uh, now, he, he might be doing different stuff. I didn't stay for a workout. But, you know, you know, Benny, the first thing I asked Benny is like, well, 
like you still run with the team he's like oh yeah oh yeah and I was like wow <laughs> he used to make it mandatory for the assistants to to run with the team and I was like well what about the assistants and he's like well we'll find out if they want to be here or they don't, <laughs> if they want to run or not sure enough I saw like a I saw an opening posted like later that week so I, I, maybe one of them didn't want to but now he's and that's the one thing about Benny and, and one of the things that I've always admired about him and what I try to do is, is when you do stuff like that, you get instant buy-in from some of those guys. You, you know, here's this guy with his hands in the dirt with me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, you can't be expected to do it all the time, but, you know, especially when you're, you know, coming into a new situation, you know, the, those those guys see that and they're like, man, this, this, guy is, this, this guy's in it with me. And so I always kind of took that from Benny. Coach, you know, it seems like so much has, has kind of changed, at least from, from whenever I was kind of growing up and even before then. Uh, I'm kind of curious about, you know, certain lifts as far as, like, it seemed like growing up there was, like, uh, you know, we did step-ups a lot. We did, um, you know, a lot of deadlifts. And, and now, you know, with some people, it's, it's almost like the juice isn't worth the squeeze, especially if you've got right. 90 guys in the weight room and, and step-ups. And, you know, I'm just saying if you spouting a few out that – or maybe would be workouts. Maybe if you got a good one-on-one, but almost just impossible to watch 80 kids do step ups and, and you know, so many different injuries from that or deadlift or whatever. Are, are there right. some lifts that you've kind of gotten away from that you think might be good lifts, but just too many kids to watch and, and the safety of it's just, uh, I don't want to say safety, but you know, the, the injury prone uh, lifts that you've gotten away from, uh, has there been any of those yeah. in recent years? Yeah, you know, Coach, you're exactly right. Um, you know, for me, you know, I've I've been kind of really meat and potatoes since I've been in high school, you know, bench, squat, clean. Um, you know, everyone needs to squat and do the triple extension and all that stuff. I was, you know, in college we were really big into step-ups with a bar on the back, on the back and, you know, the overhead lifts. And, you know, I had, you know, I remember my, my first week at Jinx in the summer in Walston, attest to this, is, uh, you know, I had all the overhead snatches and presses ready and, and you know, we're going to do this stuff and this stuff. And, you know, with about seven, eight guys on the rack, we got about five minutes into it. And, with you know, we got close to 10 guys with rolled ankles getting hit on the head. I'm like, you just have to scrap everything. <laughs> you know, you, you got you got guys trying to step up in, on boxes with a bar on their back and then you got to, you know, a, a, a ninth grader spot name and guys run into the dumbbell area when bars are coming down overhead it's just you know the the risk versus reward wasn't wasn't very good in that situation and and so yeah I've, I've definitely cut out a, a, a number of those you know the you know I tell I tell the people all the time if you hire a guy um, a strength coach and the first words out of his mouth is my goal is to get your guys bigger and faster stronger then you're probably not getting the right guy the, the first thing out of his mouth should be injury prevention and, and mm-hmm. so that that's what you know we do in the weight room um you know I, I saw a great quote from ryan horn he's a guy who worked with the tu that you know guys if they're going to get hurt it needs to be doing and playing the game that they love not preparing for it yep. and so i i try to i try to make sure that everything we do in the weight room is safe as humanly possible i mean you're going to get your freak deals but yeah to answer your question there's there's been a, a number of things i've cut out of the weight room um <laughs> You know, especially when the soccer team's running outside and we got windows in the weight room, there's, there's some exercises that spotters aren't really paying attention. So you have to get rid of those. 
<laughs> that's a good call. Didn't I, you know, forget about that. Uh, my, my other thing is, you know, you've got so many kids in Iraq and maybe don't not as many anymore. And I'm sure there's bigger and better weight rooms every year, but do, do you, how do you keep those weight rooms short and effective? I mean, are you guys on a clock or have you been on a clock or is it just, I mean, it's just known, right. keep going, you know, how, how do you keep that at an up-tempo pace where it's not a two and a half hour workout with all those kids? Right. You know, typically in a, a typical workout, we have about seven exercises. We'll do two or three core lifts and then you have the assistant lift. So one of the things I always do is I'll always superset one of the core lifts with one of the assistance lifts and everything, you know, we'll do will be on, uh, on, on my timer. So, you know, after warm up, I'll tell them, look, you have, you know, two minutes and 30 seconds for everyone on your rack to get a set of three and get a set of neck and be back at your rack before the two minutes and 30 seconds. So um, it takes usually about 20 to 30 up downs to get them to understand that we're going to hold true to that time. Um, but once they, <laughs> once they understand that, they understand that, hey, I'm not going to rush the exercise, but whenever it's time to change weight, we have to be like a NASCAR pit crew. we got to change weight fast, get to our super, you know, whatever we're supersetting with and get back to our rack. And, you know, once they understand the sense of urgency they have to have in the weight room, it, it goes, you know, a lot smoother um, and a lot more time efficient. How did you get to that time? Because that's always curious to me. I mean, is that like uh, just trial and error? Yeah, well, I kind of I kind of went through it myself behind the scenes. And if it's, I gotcha. you know, a 36-year-old guy can do it in that amount of time, then you know, hopefully a 16-year-old can do it that's probably feeling a lot better than I am. I, that's kind of how I – started the times and then you know once we got uh, different kind of levels in there I would adjust it kind of based on what their first set was but kind of did it myself with with much much lighter weight than what they would be using <laughs> <laughs> I say that's always the thing you'd, I'd, I'd go teach in the morning and then I'd come over there and Jordan would just be finishing up his workout and then Hey, how's it going to be today? Oh, they're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> this going to be a tough one. That one killed me or whatever. Because he'd, he'd do the whole yeah. he'd do the whole workout. And you'd run too, wouldn't you? And then you'd end up running again? Yeah, well, in the, Sometimes. In the spring I would. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I, haven't, I haven't done that in a long time. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was when I was young and, and uh, didn't have kids getting up all night. That's right. <laughs> You talked a little bit about, you know, basketball and, and a lot of those kids, you know, some of those kids not being as bought into the weight room or, or whatever. And, and I think of like growing up baseball and, and those guys talking about, oh, certain yeah. lifts are bad and you don't want to get tight and you can't get too strong, which never really made sense to me, but I never researched right. it necessarily. So uh, what's your opinion on, is the weight room just as important for all these other sports as it is uh, for a football sport or, or are there differing degrees of, of uh the importance of strength in certain sports? Well, you know, I think the weight room is absolutely vital to every sport. And that kind of goes back to the injury prevention. You know, if you're not balancing front side and back side and you're not, you're not strong in every area you can, then you're more likely you're going to get injured. And, and the great thing about strength conditioning is the research is changing, you know, daily. And so, you know, baseball is one of those great sports and I've worked, you know, a lot of baseball over the years and, you know, they're going to be the first one to think, you know, my, my pitching coach said I shouldn't uh, bench press or, <laughs> yeah. you know, my, my, uh, my uh, private trainer says I can't do this. Well, you know, the research isn't there. All the exercises, bench, overhead lifts, in fact, 
you know, major league players do overhead lifts. Major league players do bench press. Everything that you do with good technique is not going to hurt you. Now, if you have bad technique, when I'm doing bench press, my elbows are coming out and, and all that stuff. Well, yeah, you, you know, as a pitcher, you're probably going to be in a bad spot. But everything that you do right with good technique, you know, based on some of the research coming out, you know, you'll be just fine. But it's it's uh, normally it's not the kid that and the player that says it. It's probably it's someone on the outside that they're giving money to that they tell them you got to do just this and that. <laughs> and so that's 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 the real challenge, especially in high school today. Is you're you're going to have all, all kinds of people telling them what they need to do, um, as opposed to what they should be doing. And to me, I think you alleviate that whole problem when you hire a strength coach. I mean, it was right. it's e- it was easy for me. You know, because you'd, you'd get kids that come to you, hey, Coach Walls, I got a question about this. And it was easy for me to give them an answer and say, you have a strength coach in here who's coached in the SEC. I said, I would listen to this guy. He's put dudes in the NFL. He's got guys bigger. He's gotten guys stronger. And his guys, you know, don't get injured. So, I mean, I, I always thought that made it real easy. Whereas, you know, maybe if you have uh, a coach or a football coach or somebody who is running the weight room, maybe it doesn't carry that same amount of, you know, power because it's, you know, oh, well, he's just a football coach. He's not a, a certified strength professional. Would you agree? Well, no, I 100% agree. And it's, you know, it's a shame to me that that's what it's come to because you were ever bit as knowledgeable as me in what they needed to be doing. Um, you know, I, I just have the, the resume of, you know, I've, I've been at this college and this college. That doesn't change that. This guy still knows the same thing that I know, and so that's that's one of the things that kind of frustrates me. Is there's some there's some great strength coaches in high school. There's some great football coaches in high school that some of these kids won't listen to because well, my private trainer is, has worked with this guy, mm-hmm. and, and they may not know Jack. You know, Coach Blankenship says all the time, you know, I need we need to use that to our advantage. You know, Coach Blankenship all the time. You know, I've I coached in the in Division One. You know, this is what's expected. You know, Coach Johnson coached at Division One. This is what's expected. Coach Alexander played in the league. You know, this is this is what you're gonna expect. Coach Harper played Division One, so I definitely use that to my advantage. I, I don't think it's right that that that's the only way the reason they listen. But that's kind of the world we live in. Well, Brady, now now you're you know doing a lot in the weight room uh, where you are. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like how. Well, I'm sure you stole a lot from coach, but what are some of the big things that you were like, oh man, I had, I kind of, you do a lot of research yourself, but you kind of stole from coach and are like, oh, that's definitely, when I get to start working the weight room by myself, it's definitely something that we're going to do. And now it is something that you do uh, at Ankeny. Well, I bounce a lot of stuff off of Jordan just because, I mean, it's like he said, he, he had to go through a lot of trial and error early there at Jenks. So he and I got to have a lot of conversations about, uh, is there a more efficient way to, to work out? you know, 120 kids in there because it's the same thing at, at Ankeny yeah. in the summertime. You know, you got, you know, we decided now to bring up all of our freshmen. Well, now you got all your freshmen. You got, you got 99 kids lifting on 14 racks. So it's the same kind yeah. of deal. How, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to do my best splits? How am I going to position things inside and outside the rack where it's going to be safe and it's also going to be efficient to where we're not in there lifting for two hours? Can we get it done in an hour and 15 minutes? So I think that was that was kind of one of the main things. And, you know, I was, I was going to say, you know, when, when Jordan was talking about, you know, not doing step-ups and bars and stuff flying over the head, I think that's where you, you kind of decided, well, you know what, to do our single-leg stuff, let's do Bulgarian deadlift. 
And I'm, if I'm, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but that was one of the things that you kind of simplify. It's like, hey, we'll leave the weight on the floor. They'll just lift it with one yeah. leg and they can stay in the rack. You know, it was a lot safer and we can, we can move around and still do pull-ups and still do other things around those guys. But to me, it was just the way that, that Jordan had kind of, you know, I, I love how he set up the splits for one. And then I loved how, you know, everything would flow and you could, you could have guys busy. There wasn't a lot of standing around, you know? Yes. And if, if guys were standing around, it's like he said, you're up down at them. <laughs> yes. Well, coach, Absolutely. coach, I'm kind of curious, right? Cause there's so much strength, you know, if you want to get online, you could research, uh, you know, whatever about strength training. And if you're just a regular coach and you've got to do the strength program for your, for your school, um, you know, you get online right. research and if you're not, you know, if you don't know the right place to look, you could be doing stuff that maybe doesn't help your team. You know, there's, uh, you could be working yeah. out, you know, there's CrossFit, there's, there's, uh, you know, pure bodybuilding workouts, there's strength workouts, there's, uh, all, all different types, you know, Olympic lifts that make you better at certain stuff, but maybe doesn't make you the best at, at football. So where are some places that um, coaches can research or what's some good things coaches can do if they're, you know, they're the new coach on a staff or they're already existing coach on a staff and the head coach is like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put it on you to run our strength program. Also coach, but uh, you go run the strength program as well. Yeah, coach. I think, you know, you need, first you need to turn to uh, the accredited associations, um, the associations that, that people get certified by. Um, that's where I would go first. You know, the National Strength and Conditioning Association, you know, it's kind of been the gold standard for the last, you know, 20, 30 years. Hmm. Um, they, they, they have, you know, accredited articles from certified strength coaches all the time. You know, one of the organizations that I'm certified in is, is the CSCCA. That's the Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Association. And, and they're basically the same thing as the, the National Strength and Conditioning Association. And, and they have put a lot of great stuff out there. And I would say, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about the high school organization that I'm a part of. This is, you know, the National High School Strength and Conditioning Association. You know, if they want to go to www.nhssa.us, you know, that this is an organization put together by certified high school strength coaches for high school strength coaches. And I think one of the mistakes that, uh, you know, maybe young coaches or football coaches make is that, you know, I see what Auburn or Alabama is doing. I want to do that in my weight room. Well, that's really not what the high school level needs to be doing. And so the, the National High School Strength and Mission Association is geared kind of towards the high school profession and, and, you know, uh, a college strength coach, you know, at a, maybe uh, USC is not going to have the same type of problems that <laughs> that Broken Arrow and, and, and Wasser are having in their weight room with, right. with those type of kids in development. So that's one of the things that, that I like about our organization is it's, you know, a bunch of high school strength coaches that are dealing with the same stuff and, and, and trying to work it out together. But those are, you know, three of the main places that, that I would go for sure. I think, you know, in, in being up north now, I mean, you, you guys don't, don't see it as much as we do. You guys are, are at the large schools, but, you know, the, the multiple sports craze, I mean, oh, yeah. they, they, they're, there's positives about it. There's no doubt about it. You know, I'm not going to sit here and, and badmouth any sport because I think everything has some sort of, of merit. I just wish more people would, would really sit down and, and consider, you know, you, you need to have an eight-week session where all you're doing is training and getting your body better. Right. I mean, you know, try to, try to limit the amount of competition that you're doing because 
I, I just think these guys that play some of these four and even spot five sport athletes and all they do is play games, especially at these young ages, they're just asking to get injured. And I, and I think there's so right. much misinformation out there that I think an organization like the one you're, you're promoting is going to tell people that, like, dude, you need to go train. The weight room needs to be your number one sport. Doesn't matter what it is. No, coach, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> you know, uh, I think in the next 10 years, there's just about every high school is going to have a strength coach. Uh, I, I mean, so. I, I think that's, and that's what needs to happen because it's like you said, you know, everyone's promoting the multi-sport athlete. Well, at these high schools that don't have a strength coach, you know, you won't see your guys in the weight room until the summer. Mm-hmm. And, and so that that's a problem. And that's exactly what you're talking about. But, you know, one of the advantages of, of having a high school strength coach is you know, like for me at Owasso, I'm, I'm in charge of all the sports at Owasso. So, you know, I don't have to worry about after football season, one of our football guys going to track because I'm working the track team out. Yep. And I don't have to worry about, you know, a football guy going to basketball because I'm working basketball out. And they're, they're getting that year-round training, you know, specific to their sport, but they're still getting training. And it's, you know, the old, you know, go – the track and basketball and, and this other stuff and i'll see you hey five six months from now in the summer that's you know at least at the 6a level in oklahoma that's that's no longer a thing but there's a, a a ton of schools out there that don't have that 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 same advantage that we have and so they're you know you know kids work all summer you know if you really think about it you know if i'm a football guy i'm going to work six seven weeks in the summer and you know do some in-season stuff and then i will see the weight room again till, you know, that following summer. I mean, that's, that's crazy. You know, you're, you're losing all the strength you work for and the, the risk of injury goes up uh, every day you're out of the weight room. Yeah. You're about to, you're about to play the most violent physical sport there is and you, you haven't prepared your body to get ready for those things. And it just, you know, and everyone's like, well, you, know, they, you always hear the, I, I need a break. You know, I need to take a break. Yeah. I've been doing all this <laughs> other stuff. And you're like, well, this is the worst time to be taking a break. You know, you should should have taken a break in the winter between one of your sports or something like that. It's just, I, I just think again, you know, people just blindly post things and blindly say things without really looking at what the research says. You know, it's it's safe for young athletes to lift and train. It's not safe for them right. to to you know throw throw in thirty five baseball games in the summertime. You know, and then go straight into a basketball camp and then go to a track camp and then go. <laughs> do football padded camp and then they got to go do, I mean, it's just up here in Iowa, it's, it's ridiculous in the summertime. It's basically a free for all of sports. And I think yeah. a lot of them suffer in the weight room because of it. Well, and I, you know, and to your point, I mean, they're, they're doing a million things. And then, you know, I, I know coach Elliott does it right at broken arrow and Kyle at union. And, and, and you know, one of the things that, that a lot of high schools don't do is keep that going in season. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that, you know, that's absolutely vital to do in season. I know uh, Cody does it at Broken Arrow and, and Kyle Union is, you know, at, you know, also we'll go 80%. We won't go below 80% in season. Mm-hmm. And we keep that strength up. And, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, especially at the high school level, that, that, that needs to change is, you know, we just, well, we'll just, we're going into maintenance mode. No, no, that's when you get hurt. <laughs> you know, yeah. you have to, Keep at it and stay committed to it. Yeah, put fifty percent on the bar. Go do three sets of ten. You're good. You're good. <laughs> yeah. See you tomorrow. <laughs>
Coach, you know, you also mentioned having, you know, a couple of little ones. So I, I always think the good – I always, you know, have always been curious, and I've heard both sides, so I'm curious to kind of know what you think. But as, uh, you know, what age do you start getting them into working out? What do you think is a good age? And I'm sure the first few years that you start, it'll be, you know, no weight or lightweight or, or whatever. But what what is the research that you've noticed uh, lately saying about the age to start some of this – strength program or, or even I don't know even push-ups I, I don't know right well you know <clears throat> I'm gonna I want to say this with a lot of caution because I don't want people to take it the wrong way but I honestly believe you know third grade you need to start teaching kids kind of the stuff that that we did when we were kids you know that they don't do anymore they, they need to do somersaults they need to do all types of tumbling and running and messing around you know these kids these days they don't leave the house uh, and so they, you know, we get kids, you know, seventh, eighth grade that have been sitting on the couch since first grade. And you're like, well, you, why can't you do a squat, bodyweight squat? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we, we take kids, you know, we did this at Jinx and we did, we're doing it at Wasta. We, we take third through sixth grade and we, we t- get them in the summer and, and we do, you know, about a four week camp with them and, and it's just doing bodyweight stuff. Hey. Here's some, do some leg raises, do some push-ups, do some body weight squats, um, just to get them moving, just to get them, you know, running around. Then we'll do a competition at the end. Hey, let's go, go line them back, you know, for a competition. Uh, next week, let's go, hey, let's see if we can go goal line to goal line. Let's do it twice. And so just kind of a progression of, of the body weight stuff, get them moving around. And, you know, I, I think once they get to, you know, if they've been doing that from third grade to sixth grade and, being able to do those movement patterns once they get to, you know, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, or then you can start, you know, training them with the bar, start training them with, you know, a little weight and making sure they're doing their technique stuff right. So by the time they get to high school, you know, they've been doing this since third grade, these type of movements, maybe not with weight, but they're putting themselves in good, good uh, positions with good technique. And it's, it's the complete opposite of, you know, a kid showing up when they're a ninth grader and like, well, I've, I haven't done anything like that. And, and then you have to kind of, you kind of have, I mean, Walls knows this. We kind of, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to send you with coach Walls. I'm going to take these guys. <laughs> exactly. Coach Walls, you got that rack. Great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it, but yeah, then it ends up being like remedial stuff. And then I think some of the kids get discouraged because, you know, they are behind, but, you're like, dude, you don't have the, the foundation there. You know, you, you got to be able to do a body weight squat before I'm going to let you put weight on the bar, you know, and well, some of the guys, some of the guys came and do that, you know, their flexibility in their ankles is so bad. I mean, you just, there's so many problem areas you got to get to. And again, it's from, from that sedentary lifestyle period. No, no, absolutely. And, and, and from that you run into the problems with parents. Well, you know, Johnny's not being able to do the other stuff that these guys are doing. I don't care that he hadn't been doing anything in the last 10 years. We're going to take him to a private trainer. He's going to do the Cam Newton workout. <laughs> and, and then you run into, you run into those problems. So it's a, you know, vicious cycle of trying to educate. Really, I mean, you, we're not trying to educate the kids anymore. We're trying to educate the parents and get them kind of bought into, hey, this is what needs to happen because some of those people out there, as long as you're handing me some cash, I'll tell you whatever you want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Is there anything you do to like, you know, do you have a meeting about the strength program with parents to, to try yeah. to educate some of them on that? Is there, or is there something you send out with the kids? What, what are some things you do to maybe, 
you know, circumvent some of that stuff? Well, there, I've done a couple things that I, I, you know, I think works fairly well is, you know, I'll always, we'll always schedule a parent meeting. We'll all go through a kind of a PowerPoint of what our strength and condition program is all about, you know, kind of go through our five keys that, you know, that I talked about earlier, yeah. kind of go through our, our year round training. Um, and then, you know, I, I'll, I'll give all of our parents a nutrition packet um, that they need to take with them as well and, and try to, that's one of the been probably the most frustrating thing to me is, is not being able to monitor what these kids eat. And that's the biggest help that I have. And the biggest advantage I have, if I can get that to the parents, well, then there's no more excuses. You know, you, Johnny's supposed to lose weight and, and mom and dad says, yeah, we're on board with that. Well, you have the new nutrition packet information, so you can be a big help in that. Um, so we, yeah, we try to schedule two meetings a year with parents just to kind of um, make sure they know, hey, you know, this is our penalty system. So when when Mike comes home and he's he's complaining that they had to do stadiums, this is why, and, and you know exactly why. Because I think one of the things that you get in trouble with, not really in trouble, but something that gets lost in translation is is what the kids going home and telling the parent. He's like, well, Coach Johnson had us running stadiums for an hour. Well, really, we ran for about 15 minutes, and this is why. And and so you can kind of squash some of those parent emails ahead of time if you can communicate with parents ahead of time. I think that's really good advice. I think there's a lot of people out there, you know, be be preventative with that stuff. And it's like you said, once you've you've outlined the clear standard, you know, everybody knows what's going to happen. Like, you know, and I – I like to do it all the time with the kids because now, I mean, you don't even get a response from them. Does everyone know what's going on? And they, they kind of sit there and yeah. same with parents. I, I force them to give me a thumbs up. Like I make a move, yeah. like give me a thumbs up. If you know exactly what I just said, you understand it. So I'm like, all right, there's no more excuses. Then you guys know, here we go. Well, and, and I think that acknowledgement, you know, I haven't personally done this, but I know a lot of coaches that, you know, have them sign a contract, you know, before they even start. Like you, you sign this contract, you're signing the contract of the standard that you're required to meet every day. And if you don't meet this standard, well, don't have your parents call me because you signed it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I could sit here and talk for hours with you, Coach Johnson, but I know you're a, you're a busy man. Uh, really good catching up with you again. Hope to get down yeah. to Oklahoma soon, man, and see what's up with all you guys. I know all those those dudes at Owasso and all the dudes at BA. It's like, a, I don't know, I guess you've been around long enough. Now you pretty much know all the guys at every high school. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If I, if I keep taking jobs, then I, I will know everyone at every high school. <laughs> <laughs> well, let Harper ask his last question, man, and we'll let you get on your way. Yeah, coach. Right. So, uh, so when you know you're watching another team's offensive line, uh, uh, what's some things that you would that they would be doing that make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? Well, I I think how they move, um, and, and, and you know, technique wise, you can really tell when they're coached up by their offensive line coach. And you know, obviously, uh, you guys at Broken Arrow have the tradition. You know, O line factory. I mean, you guys got it going on. You can tell. You know, when you guys go out on the field that, you know, every step that they take is there's a step with purpose. Every punch that they make, there's a, there's a punch with purpose. And, and that's the stuff that me that sticks out, you know, when you're doing the camps, when you're doing the games, as opposed to just, you know, let me lower my head and hope for the best, <laughs> you know. Um, 
you know, you can, to me, that really, that stuff stands out. And, and, and to me, as an offensive lineman, you know, as a, from a strength coach standpoint, you got to be able to move. Um, you got to be able to open your hips and move. And, and that's one of the things that everywhere I've been, yeah, you want guys squatting heavyweight. Uh, you want guys move, you know, clean and heavyweight on the offensive line. But at the same time, they got to be able to move. And, and I know you guys know you guys being offensive line coaches, you know it better than anyone. You've had a ton of guys that can clean and squat the house. They can't move. They can't help. And so, you know, that's one of the things I try to work on with, with our O-line guys is can they move in addition to, you know, really uh, moving some weight and being explosive as well. Well, I'll tell you, and I think the most important thing that a strength coach helps with, and, and obviously Jinx was great at it and, and Coach Ellett helps us a, a, thousand, you know, a million times with is, is that hip and ankle flexibility. I've got to believe that it comes directly from the strength program because, you know, we get kids out at Broken Arrow that they're just, it's like every one of them has great hip and and ankle flexibility. And you watch, you know, like the Jinxes and they've all got great hip and, and, uh, you know, ankle flexibility in their stance. And, and it's not always like that, you know, and I was in college and guys would come up and it was like, yeah, those guys can't bend, they can't do anything, you know, and we don't have all, you know, hardly ever have that problem. And and I've got to think it's got to be, you know, a lot of, strength program and, and causing them, you know, like, like deep squats and, and with clean yeah. those right and, and all those things. Well, and, and, you know, one of the easiest ways to do that is like you said, you, know, you go full range of motion on the squat, you go full range of motion on the lunge or anything that you're doing lower body wise, well, you're naturally going to, you know, loosen up your hips. You're naturally going to loosen up your ankles and, you know, there's there's a lot of people out there that says, hey, use this machine to loosen up your ankle. Well, it's pretty simple. Everything you do in the weight room, do it full range of motion, and it doesn't have to be that complicated. And I know uh, Coach Elliott does a good job of that, but and that's what we're trying, you know, to do at Owasso. Just everything we do is full range of motion, and and once you do that, your ankles and hips will loosen up pretty fast. I think another thing too is you you know you talk about offensive line play. You know, be, part of being able to move is you got to stay on your feet. I mean. Right. You, know, you see, you see so many offensive linemen that you know the, the balance. I think is is such a key, and that that was one of the things you'd always try to tell us. You know, you shouldn't be on the ground, you know, and if you are right. on the ground, you, you shouldn't be on the ground for very long. So, you know, what yeah. what are some things that maybe you know, kind of the last thing here? What were some things maybe that that help with balance? Because me, obviously, I think if you're strong, you're probably going to be balanced. Well, you know, I think one of the most important things for offensive line is their core. Right? You mm-hmm. know, and you know, people think core, like, well, abs. No, core is basically you're chopping, you know, your legs off and your arms off. And then what you have left is your core. Mm-hmm. And so if if you're able to fire your glute, you know, if you're able to engage your core on every play and, and everything you do in the weight room, engaging those muscles, you're going to have a better chance of standing up. It's the guys that they have the weak link in the chain, they get folded over or can't fire their glute when they take their step back, those are the guys that you see on the ground or those are the guys that get rolled up in your quarterback's knee. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, you know, I really think core is, 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 is probably one of the most important things for offensive line is can you engage your backside? Can you engage your glutes? And can you engage your core? And, and if you can't, then, then, you know, then you, that's probably something you need to fix because you'll be on the ground. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, 
long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.